within the Internal Revenue Service, there's a lot of corruption concerning how people are treated. Uh, the thing that bothered me most was that mom and pop businesses are considered the low hanging fruit and they get audited all the time. So you got the big corporations and the big complicated partnerships and all those and they don't get audited much. because. Are you ready to stop funding globalists? Ready to ditch the big box stores and finally buy clean products you can trust that are actually good for you and made in America? If you are, I have an exciting program for you, the Freedom Buying Club. You can buy everyday products from cleaning supplies that detox your home to fluoride-free toothpaste you can trust delivered right to your door. They also have my favorite product, the highest quality USDA prime beef without hormones and antibiotic-free from cows raised humanely in the pasture without mRNA vaccines. You can trust what you are buying and their size and just what you need convenient packs delivered right to your door. No more wasting meat when you're forced to purchase your own cow from the ranch in order to get anything close to what I just described. If you are interested in helping your family get healthier while supporting American Made, go to freedombuyingclub.com. Sign up to speak with a representative and they will explain the entire opportunity. And remember, freedombuyingclub.com. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. First, I got to apologize to you. This interview that I'm doing, my microphone wasn't plugged in. So you're you're going to hear it from my backup microphone. But the interview was so good. The person, Dr. Sherry Peel Jackson is who I'm talking to, and she's so awesome. So just hopefully you deal with my sound. It's probably going to be okay. I just, I'm a little frustrated with myself that it wasn't plugged in. But Hopefully you will uh, slug through it because it's going to be a good one. And she is a former IRS agent and she's a CPA. She has her doctorate in, uh, in this, and she is going to tell her story about how she ended up going to federal prison, but she's going to tell her story about how you, you wouldn't believe all the games that they're playing. Well, you probably would people listening to this, all the games that they play with the tax system and what people are over bottom line. You're all overpaying on your taxes. Almost every single one of you, even, even if you aren't getting out and being a sovereign, whatever, you know, declaring your citizenship to a state and trying to get out of, get out of paying all taxes, not talking about that. I'm talking even using their system almost everybody's overpaying in taxes. So she's going to talk about that stuff, but she's going to talk where this tax money go. You will be surprised that our tax money doesn't go to support roads and to support us. It goes to, to paying off these families and who owns this private banking cartel. All of it goes to, all of the income tax goes to that. It doesn't go to do services for the people. And so she's going to talk about that. It's really fascinating conversation, her story, and then learning about how you can save money. Again, I apologize about my microphone. I'm kind of a doofus for doing that, but just stick with it. Hopefully it's not so bad. And I want to remind you, I have some exclusives up on Substack. I have the my alien hybrid conversation with Barbara Lamb up on as an exclusive on Substack for my members. 
I don't know what to think about that, but man, is that interesting. And it, I'm going to, here's the deal. I'm going to be bringing you all sorts of interesting topics, all sorts of things that you can dive in more. And then you make up your mind. I can't tell you what is true and not true because I don't have enough time in the day to do research behind every single topic that's out there. Now, when I write up my articles, then I did do all the research. I'm hardcore doing research and being an independent journalist. But when I'm interviewing people and doing this journalistic discovery and just trying to figure out things, I can't vet everything that people say. I mean, it's just not possible. But you, if you're interested in it, you can go forward and you can learn more and figure out what the truth is and then dive into it more. There's so many can of worms you can get into. And so I, I, there's no way I can vet everything. But I am going to bring you really interesting things and I'm just going to keep doing this. And then you can pick and choose what you're interested in not. And maybe it's just for entertainment value. I don't know, but it is entertaining too. And just to hear all these things like, holy gosh. And maybe we can all start to put this big picture together and really learn more about how to be free, how to be independent, how to create something new that's better. I mean, that's the goal. How do we create something that's better, that works in our interests instead of against us? So I hope you enjoy this conversation. She's really amazing. She spoke at the censored conference. So it's still live. You can go and hear the censored conference. It's live on BitChute and on Rumble. You can go to unitedforfreespeech.com and see all those links. And we are going to uh, keep the Act 3 up indefinitely. You can still buy tickets to watch Act 2. We need to raise money. We've kept the cost way down. But if you enjoy those, please consider donating and helping our cause keep going. We really appreciate that. And I hate always hitting up my audience for donations. It's like, gosh, I wish it was coming from all over the place. And so we're working. We're working on getting private donors and looking for grants and all that stuff. If you know somebody who is looking for good causes and uh, maybe we can apply for a grant there. So I know I have a big audience of really sophisticated people. So if you know where there's money that we can be had to help these to keep going, I would really appreciate that because it's at some point why, you know, all of my audience is paying for all this. I would really hope we could get some grants and some funding from other sources. Okay. With all that said, go to sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter, go to sarahwestall.substack.com, sign up for that newsletter. Most of my stuff is free. So don't be afraid to sign up for that. And let's get into this really interesting conversation with Dr. Sherry Peel Jackson. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I've been wanting to talk to you. Cynthia McKenney, a friend of mine, has told me about you. And I'm like, and she told me about you actually many years ago before COVID and all these things. And we were talking, I went to China with her and she told me about her friend, that former IRS agent that had all these issues. And I was like, oh, I really want to interview. And then COVID happened and kind of everything got up in the air. And, and then I had the chance because you talked at the censor conference. I said, I want to interview her. And so I'm so glad that you're on the program today. And I want to ask your former IRS agent. And you learned about all sorts of weird stuff when you were an IRS. Can you talk like at a big picture level your experience as an IRS agent. And then I want to dive into what you did afterwards and kind of your whole story. Okay. Well, I worked in CPA firms and got my CPA at that time. 
Then I went to corporate America. Didn't like corporate America because it's so corrupt. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know and what you do with who you know. So I was, you know, disillusioned by that time, 20 something years old. And I saw an ad in the paper for the IRS. And I said, okay, well, I'm pretty good at math and went and took the job. And when you're, when you're not aware of what's going on, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm working for the government and, you know, people owe taxes and, you know, they're supposed to pay and some don't pay. So we have to find the money. And I did well at my job. I was awarded with monetary awards and plaques and all that other stuff like that. So from the inside, when you really don't know what's going on, you're in a shell. You think, yeah, well, okay, I'm doing well. And that's that was my experience. Within the within the time I was there, I, I saw as I as I progressed in those years, those seven and a half years, I saw that even within the Internal Revenue Service, there's a lot of corruption concerning how people are treated. Uh, the thing that bothered me most was that mom and pop businesses are considered the low hanging fruit and they get audited all the time. So you got the big corporations and the big complicated partnerships and all those, and they don't get audited much because they don't have, the IRS doesn't have sophisticated employees and that are CPAs that are able to really figure out what these larger corporations and partnerships are doing. So they turn around and go get mom and pop and it's devastating a lot of times. I've seen businesses have to close because they got audited and they didn't do something correctly and they owe too much tax and it was just too much for them to have to have that tax burden coming out of their uh, income every month and to, to keep their doors open. So I saw a lot of unfortunate things like that. So one of, that's the major thing that I learned. They go for the low hanging fruit and they're starting to admit it. Because recently I've been seeing articles saying that, oh, now we've got to start going after the millionaires again. Well, didn't you think that with COVID, it was so obvious that they were favoring the large companies while the mom and pop shops are shut down? I mean, who can shut down a business and just operate shut, you know, you just float it for six months. They shut them down where all the Walmarts and all these big companies could stay open. Well, that's why I call it the pandemic. This is all by design. In 2010, there's a a, a, a pamphlet or a book that came out um, that was funded by the Rockefellers. And it basically tells you, you know, this is how we take over people. We we have a, a pandemic, which is called the pandemic, and then we we put all these sanctions on them. So how is it that how is it that a Walmart or a Target or one of the grocery stores is going to be safer for me to go into? than my local grocery store or my local hardware store. How is that? Like a local florist. Right. So basically these businesses were set up to fail because they couldn't keep their doors open. So, and, and do you realize how much profit that the larger companies like Amazon and Walmart and those that were allowed to stay open made? They they made billions of dollars. I mean, the, the they were millionaires and now they're billionaires. And then our our... our the backbone of this country is small businesses. So what they've done is they've con they've tried to break the backbone of our country because it's, it's the small businesses that that really make this country go. So it was, it was by design. I mean, I know that it was by design, and and it comes out more and more every day that this whole thing was by design. So we've got to rebuild. We got to rebuild. We got to rebuild that backbone. Well, let me ask you. I didn't really want to get into the Democrat versus Republican because I think all parties are have a super a lot of issues. OK, but the Democrat Party seem to be pushing it more 
than the Republican Party during the middle. Maybe the base was less for it in the Republican Party. I don't know, because there's a lot of people in the Republican Party that were pushing it but or silent. They didn't say anything. But the Democrat, I'm in the, I'm in the Minnesota, the Twin Cities. It was like the Democrats were pushing it hardcore. Like all of a sudden civil liberties meant nothing. The big businesses were the most important. You were nothing. You have no freedom over your own body. You know, when it comes to women and um, having abortions, their big thing is women should control their own bodies. But when it came to this, that you have no control over your own body. Right. What do you think about that? And especially knowing that they they expect I'm just going to say they expect African-Americans, Black people to stay with the Democrats, even though it's such an obvious fraud. I mean, what do you think about all that? I haven't voted in at least two decades because my belief is changing the players without changing the game is an act in futility. I believe that the Democrats and the Republicans are in the same bed and they're screwing us all. And I believe that it's just a big kabuki dance. So sometimes, you know, the Democrats are going to cheer stuff on and the Republicans may remain silent. But then sometimes the Republicans are going to cheer something on and the Democrats remain silent. Nothing has changed for us over the last six decades. Nothing. All of us are going down in income. We're going down in quality of life. We're going down in education. And neither one of these parties is doing anything. That's that's your proof right there that they're sleeping in the same bed. It's, there's no difference. So I, I this was the Democrats' chance, the liberals' chance to, you know, look like a crazy person telling us that we had to wear masks, that, you, that, that, that things can seep through and all. It was just so foolish to me. And, and it taught me a whole lot about people. It taught me that people don't want to, they want to be told what to do. Uh, they want the government to tell them what to do and they hold the government responsible. We see the wake of the pandemic and the people that are getting ill and the things that are happening, we see that now. And nobody questioned that. Well, the people that were questioning that before, they were censored. And now it's coming to light that they were telling the truth. So this whole thing was a plan in both parties and all of the people, see the parties, the the government people, they're they are vagabond marionettes, and the puppeteers are the ones that you don't see that are behind the scenes that are pulling the strings. So our president and all these people, they don't run a country. They're people behind the scenes that run a country. So those people wanted this to happen, and they've been planning this for decades, and it's here now. I'm not a fool. Um, you know, I, I might not, you know, be the person that you know people think I am. But I definitely know this was a plan. And I, I know that it doesn't matter, Sarah, what color we are. I'm black, you white. Uh, I, I'm a Christian. You could be a Jew or a Muslim. What doesn't matter. They don't care. They don't care about all that. They just want to keep us down. And, and, and until we realize that, they're going to continue that game of their modus operandi being divide and conquer with all of this stuff. They don't care. Yeah, black people have been lockstep with the Democratic Party which you know, some of them don't even realize that the Republican Party was the party that Black people were part of before Kennedy. But you know, it, it really doesn't matter at this point. Uh, they're waking up. I see them waking up. But they're they're waking up and they're realizing, you know what? It's not even really about switching over to the Republican Party. It's about making sure that I understand what's going on in my world, in the world at large, and figuring out what I need to do for myself and my family. Well, and, you know, I look at the people, so many people, I was just talking about a friend of my mother's who 
we, we were watching the weaponization of government committee and they were, they were talking about the big tech censorship. And my, my mother was telling her friend, you just need to watch the hearing. So you can see, you kind of need to watch these hearings yourself so you can come to a conclusion. And this person only watches PBS. She thinks that, you know, the human trafficking is all conspiracy theory. She thinks everything's conspiracy theory theory. And she's like, well, you gotta watch so you can see it for yourself. And her comment was, well, I don't understand. I need PBS to interpret it for me. And I'm thinking, I mean, if this is the level of intellectual, (laughs) this is what we're dealing with, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Sarah, we are in so much trouble because there's something called cognitive dissonance. And that's when people have been told the lie so long that when they hear the truth, first of all, they they rebuke the truth until it has to slap them upside the head. And sometimes right now, the truth is knocking at the door. It's not slapping them yet but it's knocking at the door and they don't want to open the door because they would have to admit that they've been living in a lie. Like I had to admit when I started finding out the truth, the truth about the income tax, the truth about the federal reserve, the truth about our healthcare system. It was like a rug got pulled under me. And yeah, I hit the, I hit my kabunkum on the ground when the rug got pulled, but I got up, I got up and I said, you know what, let me dust myself off and figure out which direction I need to go based on what I know now, but they don't want to know here, here in the South and, and me in particular, I make up words. So there's ignorant, and ignorant means you you don't know, but then there's ignorant. And there's ignorant means you don't want to know. And there's a, a lot of ignorant people. They just don't want to know the truth. And so we have to we have to address the people that want to know the truth. I think you're right. I mean, for that example of that person is like, well, you can't, they're just gone. You just have to move on. And if they will we're there for you if you ever decide to wake up. But until then, I what can we do? They're just it's maddening. It's like knocking your head against the wall over and over again. But you your story is absolutely amazing. You decided to educate people. You figured some of this stuff out. You figure out what was going on in the IRS. You said, okay, I'm going to start helping people and small businesses and people with taxes to save money with taxes. Can you talk about what happened? Because you ended up going to federal prison, but you were the only one too. So there was some shady crap there too. But t- tell us your story. Okay, so I, yeah, I wasn't the only one. And when I when I, le- I left the IRS for family reasons, when I left the IRS, I knew that they were treating the smaller businesses wrong. Um, but it, it was it wasn't really much beyond that concerning the IRS. I left for family reasons. I had two children, oh, okay. children at the time and the IRS was taking up my time. I was moving up in rank. I had a case where I had to get wired up and go out at night and take a bribe. Those kinds of things were happening. And it's like, I'm, wait a minute, I'm, wait a minute, wait a minute. You had to take a bribe working with the IRS and that was sanctioned? Yeah. So when, when we, we were taught in training that when someone offers you a bribe, you accept, you, 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 you go along with them as if you're going to accept the bribe. You find a way to leave their office. You go back to the office, you write it up, and then you get with the criminal investigation division. And then you call that person back and say, yeah, um, you know, I got, you know, I'm ready to finish the audit. So when you go back, you don't mention the bribe. You're wired up, but you don't mention it. You act like you're going ahead with the audit. And then if they don't mention it, then nothing happens. But if they mention it, then you go along as if you're going to take the money. So he mentioned it. I went along as if I was going to take the money. We met late at night behind a, a mall. Yeah, there were agents around. Thank God it was. They told me to meet him at a mall so that they could have cars, you know, around. And yeah, and, and I took money from him twice. And then we had to go to court, all that kind of stuff. And see, when you're a young mother with, with a three and a five year old, you can't tell your husband. I, I'm not married now, but I, then 
you can't tell them where you're going. I just, I just got to do some work for the job. So these kind of things, they were, I didn't, I let them trump my, my family for a while, but then, you know, there's that, that, that tug in there, you know, I'm the nurturer. I'm, I'm a woman. I'm supposed to be nurturing my family, my children and not stressed out about the job. So I literally quit the job. I didn't have another job. I quit the job and I, and I can't, I had enough money because I'm pretty decent with money, money. I had enough money to come home. didn't do anything for a year. And then I decided to open up a CPA firm. That's when people started coming to me and revealing to me that they had done research concerning the income top income tax being misrepresented and misapplied to the American people. Uh, long story short, someone led me to a, a news article. There was a guy named William Conklin in the USA Today that offered $50,000 for anybody to prove that we had to pay and file income taxes. And also in that same article, uh, uh, former special agent Joe Bannister had uh, was advertising his book. And I bought his book. I actually bought two of them where he had done the research and figured out that the income tax was being misrepresented and misapplied. And he took it to, it was a report. It started out as a report before it was a book. He took it to his superiors at the IRS and they told him to take a week off and then decide whether he wanted to stay in that job. So he took a week off. And since they wouldn't answer his, his questions that he put in that report, he quit. So I got his book. He got in touch with me because when I sent him the check, I told him I was former IRS. We hooked up, started talking around the country about the fact that the income tax, we are supposed to be the ones that have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We are supposed to be in control of our own labor. Sarah, if you have a large front yard and you need your grass cut and you ask me, you know, the local person that cuts grass in the area to cut your grass and I say, okay, it's going to be $100 a week. That's an even exchange because you gave me a $100 bill and I gave you my mind because I got to know how to cut grass, right? My arms and legs, all that. I gave you life force and we exchanged life force for fiat currency and that's an even exchange. There should be no tax coming out of that. It's an even exchange. Let me give you another example. Let's say Walmart. Walmart, the smallest Walmart in, in the country. Let's say in one day, it makes $100,000 gross. But they have to pay salaries. They have to pay electricity. They have to pay rent and all kinds of things. And let's say from that 100000 they had $20,000 in expense that day. So their net is $80,000. They only pay tax on the $80,000. We pay tax on the whole thing. So fundamentally, it's wrong. And that's the, that's the best example that I can give of it. So I, I, I realized that. And in my research, I realized that there's no definition of income in the code. They have taxable income, gross income, net income, and all that. But income is not in there. So I researched and found out that income is corporate profits, which goes back to my Walmart story. If they made $100,000 today and they had expenses of twenty. dollars then 80 is their profit and they pay tax on that. We don't have a profit because I drained myself. I was sweating when I finished cutting your grass, Sarah. I was sweating and I was tired and I used my life force and you gave me something for that. That's an even exchange. So I started talking and then they got angry. Uh, Aaron Russo that made Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and the Rose with Bette Midler decided that he was going to do a documentary about the IRS called America, Freedom to Fascism. It's still out there online. He interviewed several of us. He brought us out to Hollywood. And then the government started noticing that there were these people out here, some of them former IRS agents, some of them CPAs, some of them attorneys, constitutional attorneys that were, you know, just talking about the income tax and they wanted to shut us down. So they had congressional hearings 
They did not allow us to talk. So I didn't go because they wouldn't let us talk. The ones that did go, they were in the galley up, up top. And they basically had our pictures blown up on easels from when we were in the USA today. And that's when they started prosecuting us. So they prosecuted Joe Bannister. He had great lawyers and they, he had a, a thinking jury that said, you know what, this man believes what he says. But by the time they got to me, when, when, a, when a football team loses after winning hundreds of games and they lose, the first thing they do on Monday morning is go to the drawing board and see what they did wrong. That's what the government did with me. I live in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. They sent people down from Washington, D.C. to prosecute me. Now, there were others that got convicted also before me, like you know, people in the tax movement, like Larkin Rose. But there were others that were acquitted also, like Vernie Kuglin and Tommy Cryer, which was a lawyer out of Shreveport, Louisiana. They hadn't filed in years. And Tommy had all of the Supreme Court cases and state Supreme Court cases to prove that income was corporate profits. By the time they got to me, that judge would not let me say anything about the law. She kept saying, I will instruct the jury on the law. Well, I needed to tell them what I learned so that they could see that I was credible. But it was like a three ring circus. And uh, I, they got me for w willful failure to file, which is a misdemeanor. I just didn't file tax returns because I knew that I needed to keep what I earned. So they took the, the four years where I was making over $100,000 so they made the jury hate me because they kept saying over and over that, you know, and this year she made 100 and this year she made 150 and this year and she didn't pay. And then um, even when they took the jury into deliberation, I had so many supporters there that I had a stealth supporter that was following them. And he said that when they put the jury in the deliberation room, the bailiff, before he closed the door, he said to them, if I got to pay, she got to pay. And then he closed the door. So I got a four year sentence on a misdemeanor as an as opposed to putting the sentence consecutive, which means I serve one year for the same charge. They did it concurrently. And not only that, they added time to it. So instead of a 24 month sentence, they gave me a 36 month sentence. They, they did an upward departure because I was so fierce out there in, in the in the community telling people that they need to do their research and figure out who's robbing them. So you, they decided to to put you in prison for longer than the statute even calls for. Could you have appealed it at that point and said, "Hey, I I'm being persecuted here," or was it just there was so much political pressure and all the goons came in? Because I do know, I know with our own case when we were suing Google, I knew the I know the goons came in and controlled it, and the court system had no control. They just did what they were told. Is that what happened in your case, you think? No, I think they all worked together. It was so strange that the judge, the judge, first of all, when they read the the four guilties, she got up and left. I've never seen that before. Everybody else was talking about it. She just got up and she didn't say anything about we're going to have a, you know, a sentencing hearing or anything. She just got up and left. That was telling to me. And when we did have the sentencing hearing, this is what she said. <clears throat> and I'm going to say it in her voice. She said, I know you homeschool your children, Miss Jackson, and I know you got a lot of family support, but you can't run around the country telling people not to file income tax returns. And I looked her in the eye and I said, I've never done that. So obviously at that point, it was about, it wasn't about the fact that I kept what I earned. It was about the fact that I was exposing what was going on. Now you got these rappers around here calling people names, talking about killing police officers and all of that. And they let that go on and they'll slap them on the wrist. 
But then you got a homeschooling mother that's, that's financially telling people what's going on with their finances. You can't mess with the finances. So no, so she she did do that sentencing. And, and I, I just do believe that all of them are in together. It's not that, I, I know that they're all in it together to make sure that people like me do not get to the point where I get too popular because I was really, I was speaking a lot back then. I was speaking all weekend and I had gotten to the point where my weekends were full and people were trying to fly me in on the Thursday before I go somewhere else because they wanted to hear, people want to hear the truth. People still support me. Uh, there was an A-list actor that been, that sent $10,000 while I was in prison to take care of our mortgage because they, they know the truth. Oh, that's interesting. So one thing, though, I think what we saw with COVID is people really believe it was the right thing to do when they become almost a cult-like behavior. So people believe you need to pay your taxes because if you don't pay your taxes, then we can't support all these services and stuff. But when you learn, do our, all of our taxes even go to support all these services? If people knew where the taxes went, what do you think would occur? Where, where do these taxes go? So that's what I was speaking about. And that's, I think, what was so dangerous, besides the fact that I was telling people that this tax issue is a racially unifying issue and not dividing. They were afraid that everybody's going to get together on this issue because it's not about race or color or religion. But the the income tax, there's, and people can verify this. First of all, Beardsley Rummel, a guy named Beardsley Rummel, he was one of the chairman of one of the Federal Reserve, I think it was the Federal Reserve Bank of New York back in the 30s, I believe. He wrote a, a treatise that said the title was uh, income for I mean, income tax for revenue is obsolete. And he basically in his treatise says that income tax goes you know, to take money away from poor and middle class people and hand it over. But there is a Ronald Reagan back in 1984 commissioned Peter Grace. So Peter Grace had the Grace Commission and the Grace Commission came back with like a 2,500 page report and somewhere around page 30, between page 30 and 40, I believe it is, they say that none of the money collected, not not one penny or not one nickel of the money collected in income tax goes towards running the country. So we, the, the country abdicated, advocated its uh, responsibility of taking care of the finances to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is a non, non-auditable private banking cartel. They're collecting over $80 million an hour in interest from the American people. Go out and look at the debt clock. If you put in the debt clock, if you put that in your um, your search engine, you'll see how much debt we're accumulating. They're not accountable. So the money goes to them. It doesn't go towards the roads because the gas tax pays for the roads. It, go, it doesn't go towards the schools and the police officers because you're your ad valorem tax, your your real estate taxes go towards that. So what we're doing when we when we give our money to them is we're paying for the owners of the Federal Reserve and their children and their children's children and their children's children's children to never have to work a day in their life. And I work pretty hard. If people knew where this money would go, was really going to just these big, fat, rich hogs, and it wasn't going to support the people, and they really understood it. See, the thing is, is that people won't believe it, but if they understood it and really saw it and could absorb what the truth was, it would be over tomorrow. <laughs> but they- I, 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 go ahead. I, I don't. Unfortunately, I know that not to be true because people, people know this. But they yeah, don't but not want enough to people. The boat. 
I would say just I would say just a small little portion of people. Right, right. We just need we don't need everybody. We just need a few. So let me before I forget, there is a movie that comes out on Sunday. It's called Jones Plantation. Please, please go and watch Jones Plantation. It is a, a an allegory, a depiction of this whole system and how we all have been kept into slavery. Larkin Rose, which is one of the ones that was convicted and, and spent jail time, did this movie. It's going to be, I believe, I'm going to do an interview with Larkin on Sunday, but it's, it's. I think they're going to sell it. Of course, they're. It, Hollywood or anybody didn't pick it up, but go out online and look at Jones Plantation and watch this movie. It was powerful. I got a chance to watch it up front so I could do a review. It basically told that, you know, when people, when, when the majority of people are in their comfort zone. See, <laughs> when, when people are in their comfort zone and they have a nice house and a nice car and all of this, then they don't want to change. They realize that. Now, there are two movies that depict that. One of them was The Matrix. There was a guy in The Matrix that he wanted to stay in The Matrix. He realized how tough it was to be out of The Matrix and fighting that system. And he went back into The Matrix, ended up killing two of his, his colleagues to stay in that comfort zone. Another one that I, that, I, that I could only watch one time and the tears flowed and the tears almost flow now was Braveheart. I can't even watch that movie a second time because that movie basically showed you that no matter how heavy the cause and important the cause and freeing people and freeing yourself, there are going to be some people that are, that are at a certain level that they want to stay at. They don't want to come out of their comfort zone. So I, I, I do agree that it will take a, a small few that does this, but what's been happening, Sarah, is they seek out that small few and they clobber them or they disappear them. Um, but that's like why I was saying that if, if the majority of people actually understood it, you could, they can go after a small few, but they can't go after a majority. That's right, but the majority, is, away the majority is hearing it. They're hearing it, but they're, but they're ignoring they, it. I talk to people all I the time. I don't think the majority even, I think it's the cognitive dissonance. I don't think the majority yes. believe it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I hear people all the time that say, I don't care what the law says. I care what they can do to me. That's the sentiment. Well, I think that's true. I think people are very scared that if you don't pay it, you're going to lose everything or they're going to clobber you. And so it is a slavery thing because if the money's not going to any of our services, it's just going to these fat hogs that are just wanting to depopulate us anyways. And we keep sending it in. The only reason we're doing it is because we're uh, we're fearful and we're afraid. It's the same as if you were actually a slave. The only reason you're yes. staying there is because you're afraid. Yes. That's that movie Jones Plantation is, is going to be really, really great. Okay. Well, then okay. what do you suggest that people do? Because, you know, what do you do? You now educate people, but you do it in a way that is keeps them safe, right? I mean, you you educate people on what they can do with inside of parameters that will, that, that can keep them safe and that yet they can keep the most amount of money they can. How do, how do you yeah. go about doing that? So I... When I, you know, challenged them before and came out and basically said, you know, their the income tax has been misrepresented and misapplied, that was my version of trying to cut the head off the beast. That doesn't work because they're not enough of me. And, you know, just like they stormed the beach in Normandy, there were so many people that they got through. That's it's not right. enough of them. So That's now, yeah. exactly. So I, I help them starve the beast. So I, I have this model called starve the beast. And how you do that, the income tax 
uh, code is written for businesses. So people need to start home-based businesses. And when they do that, they start legitimate home-based businesses. They can write off just about everything but the kitchen sink. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a story. <laughs> so uh, there was a woman that uh, got a breast enlargement and she wrote it off on her tax return. Her name was Cindy Hess. And this was, I think, in 94. And the IRS laughed so hard, they were falling out. And then they took her breast enlargement away. Okay. But she got a lawyer and she took it to tax court. And when she went to tax court, Cindy Hess won her case against the IRS because Cindy Hess was better known as Chesty Love. And she was a pole dancer. And she needed that breast enlargement because she was getting older and she had to keep up with the younger girls. So she that won that. So, yeah. So basically, Internal Revenue Code Section 162 says that all ordinary and necessary business expenses are deductible. And for Cindy Hess, that was ordinary and necessary. So basically, people shouldn't be scared to write off, you know, everything that they have in their business is ordinary and necessary. It's just a matter of making sure they keep the records properly for it. And that's part of what I teach. Okay, well, what give us some other examples of things that people uh, usually think is not that they can't write off, but really is. Well, employees, people who who have a 1090, I mean, who who have a W-2, people that have a W-2, there are a lot of things that they can't write off. So if you have a W-2 job and you don't have a home-based business, you can't write off your cell phone. You can't write off your internet. You can't write off a room in your home. There are just so many. I mean, most of the things that a business can write off, a W-2 employee cannot write off. So the W-2 employee is the one that they love because number one, the tax is coming out of their check every paycheck. And number two, even if they don't file timely, the IRS has all that money from their paycheck during the year. And they think they're, they think they're doing something special when they get a refund. Actually, you've given the, the IRS your money all year and they're giving you no interest on it. And then they, they, they give you a little bit of it back. So basically, everybody who has a home-based business can write off whatever is pertinent to that business. Vehicles. I used to have people when I was an IRS agent that would buy a fleet of trucks on December 31st because you can write off the depreciation for that under section 179. And I tried to take the deduction away, but yes, when you drive a vehicle, a brand new vehicle off the lot, it loses a percentage of its value. And they could, they, they were able to win that um, dispute with me because they were able to take that depreciation. So smart, savvy people have businesses they have people like me that teach them how to manage to where they pay little or no tax. And even the larger corporations, they pay CPAs $50,000 a year just to find all of the tax credits. For example, there was a credit, and I don't know if it's still available. You could get a tax, a huge tax credit for having a ranch that was 40 acres and putting some cows on it. And I know some famous people that did that. They didn't have to manage it but they got a huge tax deduction for it. So you have people that are creeping around all day and all night looking for these tax deductions for the wealthy. And so, you know, if, if you know the regular deductions and you know the deductions that the wealthy take, then you can reduce your tax liability. So a lot of my clients have a full-time job and they have their business on the side. Well, if they're running that business and they get to take advantage of those tax deductions, then they pay less even on their W-2. For example, if I've got a person that's making $90,000 on their job, 
and they start a home-based business, by the end of the year, let's say their home-based business had a loss of $10,000. That $10,000 goes to re reduce that $90,000 W-2 down to $80,000. And people don't know these things. Well, how long can you have a business that has a loss before they say that's not a legit business? Or can you have it indefinitely? That's another one of those secrets. Uh, you probably don't want to have it indefinitely, but they they want to they want to hang on to that three year thing. But they know for restaurants, it's got to be more than that. It's just as long as it's a legitimate business. So if I have a legitimate business and it's especially during COVID, if it's taking a little bit longer time to you know get it going, then they can't deny you a business and call it a hobby. If you're doing something like trying to put boats inside of a glass, that's something different. But if you're really hard, working hard on your business and it's not working out, it's not their responsibility to tell you to quit the business or find something else. You just continue to go on. If you believe that that's the business that's for you, it's a legitimate business. And then at some point or another, you're going to make it work. This is so interesting to me because I obviously I'm self-employed. So I'm thinking, gosh, am I getting all my tax credits? Am I writing everything off that I am? We have a CPA firm, but maybe I'm not getting everything I need. So I might be calling you. So how can people use your services? And and I, I think you have classes and you have a conference coming up. I bet you, you will have a lot of people in my audience going, wait a minute. I, I don't know if my CPA is saving me all the money I should. Cause I got to tell you, I've run into a lot of CPAs. They just want to cover their butt. And so they don't care if you, they're saving you every tax credit, everything they're doing. They just are doing it good enough. So they don't get audited and lose money and just kind of fit within the parameters. You're exactly right, Sarah. They're afraid to, you know, be out in the spotlight. I've had clients that come to tell me that their CPA said, you know, let's save this two or $3,000 worth of expenses over here and not put it on the tax return just in case you get audited. And I was taken aback by that. It's like, you mean you had $2,000 more in expenses that they, they told you not to put on there just in case you get audited? That's their fear. And a lot of times CPAs, just because a person is a CPA doesn't mean they know taxes. You know, CPAs do a lot of other stuff. So I found, you know, I, I've had some larger clients that had net operating losses and one of the things that I was doing when I was doing individual uh, consulting was I would go over or I would audit in my head the, the client's last three years tax returns. And one of the clients, I realized that they had a net operating loss that the CPA firm did not take back. See, when you have a loss, you can carry it back 15 years. Uh, I'm sorry, three years and then carry it forward 20 years. So they had a pretty decent sized loss that those tax returns needed to be for the, the three years prior needed to be amended so they can get that money back. That's another thing businesses can do. But that that CPA firm just continued to do the client's tax returns and not realize, hey, they got a loss in this year. We need to go back to these other years and recoup that loss. So they don't know. And and that's just what I do. But people can get in touch with me through my website is being rebuilt right now. It's wakethepeople.com. But I'm having a, a live conference where I'll be teaching in Atlanta on August 19th, August 19th. That's a Saturday. And the website for that particular event is wisdomandriches.com. So if they go to wisdomandriches.com, they'll be able to register for that. And then I do have classes. I have these six week classes and then I have a whole year where I walk with people. So those are two other packages that I have. 
That's awesome. Okay. Well, I might be calling you. I mean, because if you can save people, I like the tax credit ideas that we don't even know what's out there. And uh, now, have you seen like if there's this tax credit out there and you show your CPA, do most CPAs kind of push back or do most CPAs go, okay, we'll, we'll incorporate once they know it exists? When, when I talk to clients and I see things within their tax return that look funny from an IRS standpoint, then they go back and tell their CPA, sometimes they have, you know, some kind of excuse for it. So the, the CPAs don't like people to come back and question them. And, you know, some, I, I had a woman when I was doing tax returns, this was, this was deep. She, this was a, a while ago, but she gave me, she was, she was a doctor and her husband had some other high power job and they were making a whole bunch of money. She came to my office and she gave me her tax information, but she gave me copies of W-2. She didn't give me the real W-2s. And I didn't ask her why. So I did her tax return. I called her back in. I went over her tax return with her and showed her, I'm sorry that you still have to owe, but I got it down as, as far as I could. She looked at me and she said, do you know why I gave you copies of my W-2s? And I said, no. She said, because I, I have a CPA and I gave him the same thing I gave you. I gave him the originals. I gave you the copies. You have me paying $4,000 less than he has me paying. You are now my CPA. So this is <laughs> what you need. <laughs> that doesn't take that long to make yeah. that change. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But again, you know, a license is something that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. When when someone has a license, they're bound to stay within certain parameters based on whatever license that is. So I'm free. I'm, I don't have I've relinquished my CPA license. I can say and do whatever I want to do. I don't have to worry about, oh, if I do this, they're going to take my license. Or if I do that, they're going to take my license. I gave my license back after the trial. Because when when they prosecuted Joe Bannister, he won his case. But the IRS was so angry, they went to the California Board of Accountancy and told them to take Joe Bannister's CPA license. And they did, even though he was acquitted. So when I was convicted, I knew that I needed to give up all my licenses. So I wrote little letters and I sent those licenses back and said, I'm relinquishing these. So so that they couldn't say that they took my licenses. But I, I don't have a license. What I don't do is I don't give advice about investments and stuff like that. But I do help. I want to help people. I want to, you know, before I leave this earth, I want to help 100,000 people start and grow profitable businesses so that they won't have to depend on the corporatocracy. I love this. I absolutely love it. So if you um, do you still do individual like, business tax returns and other so if you have time for that. I know you have a ton of clients and stuff, but you have time to take on more clients. Actually, no, I don't do individual. I do individuals, but it's a very, very expensive thing because I've learned that I can teach the same thing in groups and then other people's questions answer other people's questions. So I do group teaching. I, I do one on ones. But like I said, they're very expensive. So I do group teaching for a year. And throughout that year, it's the KPG system. You, you learn to keep what you earn, first of all, protect it and make it grow. So I teach. And then after after that, it's Zoom and I teach the class. And at the end of the class for, for an hour or so, I'll answer questions. So those people come every week and then they, they get their questions answered and then they get the teaching. Um, so that's what I do now because it's it's a lot less. I mean, it's 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 not easy to scale when you're doing one on one on one on one. And I know that's that people right. sometimes have their personal issues, but they have to be trained to say it in a way that everybody else may benefit from their question. 
That's right. Okay. That makes more sense to me. Cause I'm like, how do you even have time for that? So that may, that makes sense. It's a, but you can save a, and a lot of uh, self-employed people need this service because they are way, paying way more taxes than they should be. Okay. And, and even everybody with a W2, just a worker, they can start a small business and they can too can save money. Yes. I, and I, I can, I I can tell you, yeah. This is, we just started August. I can save people at least $20,000 this year. If they start a business now, they don't have a business or if they have a business, either way, between now and the end of the year, I can save them 20K easy because there's so many things that you can do to save that, to, to get that money. Okay, people, people need to get off their butt and do it because then you're going to love me because I'm bringing you people ways to save money <laughs> and love you even more. Okay, well, good. Thank you so much, Sherry. I love this conversation. I, you know, I'm a business background. My mom did as a tax consultant and, but she was, she's in her eighties and she was very much in the system and, and um, you know, what is what it is. And so I love seeing people that can think out of the box and are willing to say, Hey, wait a minute, this is okay. This is what this is about. And we need, you need to take advantage of it. Yes. Yes. I don't even know what the box is at this point, but Yes, pe people people more. need to take charge of their own finances and not leave it to other people, the banksters or their job or whatever. My dad told me when I was very young, as long as you have a job, your boss is going to determine where you live, what kind of car you drive and where you go for vacation. And I didn't understand that until I got older, because, you know, depending on who, who you're working for, they're going to control how much money comes in, where I live. Do I live in you know, uh, the, the apartment or do I live in a luxury, a luxury uh, subdivision or do I drive a Volkswagen or a BMW or do I go to Orlando for vacation all the time or do I go to Costa Rica? Your, a job is going to control that. But if you start your own home based business, you'll see that the control goes back to you. You just have to put the time into it. You do. And you can't you can't sit there and do this. And do this. The, I call the television the electronic intellect reducer and the electronic income reducer. Because if you come home and you veg out and, and then you close your eyes and the TV is watching you, then you, you're wasting your time. But if you just come home from work and decompress, spend some time with your family and then get that second win and work on your home based business, pretty soon you're going to have extra money to start investing in hard assets, which I which I, I advocate hard assets things that I can hold in my hand or stand on. I don't invest in anything that can disappear in a blink of an eye. I just don't uh, because it's controlled again. So you control your own finances when you start your home-based business and really work it. Okay. So what I need from you is a link to that movie and I'll put it on the, in the show notes so people can have it. And I'll put your website and your conference link up there as well, because uh, people, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be interested in, in this. So thank you so much, Dr. Sherry. I really appreciate it. You're quite welcome. And thank you for having me on. <laughs>